We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at the Firefly episode, Bushwhacked, Traversing Remote Space. The Serenity crew take the time to enjoy some form of team sport, but the levity is interrupted by a proximity alert. Nearby, a drifting cargo ship converted to a settler ship and a dead body. After some debate, and for differing reasons, they opt to board the ship. At first, they find a ship that has been abandoned suddenly, with meals half-eaten in the galley, and a ship's log entry interrupted mid-sentence. And while the first signs are that a life pod got away, a fortune in valuable seeds was left behind. Then they find the bodies, strung up in the rafters. Mal understands what happened, and makes plans for a getaway, immediately. They find a survivor who attacks Jane. The survivor is mad. And while they take him back to Serenity, Mal is convinced he'd be better off dead. It was the space boogeymen, the Reavers, that attacked the ship. Book argues that the bodies should be given proper rights, and surprisingly, Mal agrees, much to Inara's surprise and approval. But Mal has a second motive. He knows the Reavers probably booby-trapped the ship to destroy any would-be rescuers. And indeed, they find one attached to Serenity. While much of the crew is unaware and over on the settler ship, Kaylee succeeds in defusing the bomb. They head on their way. No sooner do they leave, they are taken in by an Alliance cruiser patrolling the area. They've got a bullet out about a Firefly-class ship that is harboring fugitives Simon and River. So they detain and question the Serenity's crew. They do not find them, though, because Mal has stashed them on the outside of the ship in spacesuits. Mal warns that it was the Reavers that destroyed that ship and not his crew engaged in piracy but his warnings fall on deaf ears until the survivor from the ship, mad with what he's seen, begins to take on the characteristics of the Reavers and begins killing the Alliance crew and escapes back to the Serenity. Mal offers to help search the ship and when the Alliance commander is nearly killed and Mal saves his life by killing the survivor, the Serenity is allowed to leave without the spoils of their salvage operation. Okay, uh, bushwhacked, bushwhacked. Third episode uh, in the series. Are we still finding our way here? Well, it's an interesting question. It's actually the second episode as aired. Right. And it surprises me a bit. I mean, it's safe to say this is not my absolute favourite episode of Firefly. And it seems after after the network decided that Serenity was not adequate as a as a pilot for for hooking the viewers in to the kind of characters and style of the show directly they then accepted as the second episode this i i, I mean for so there are two things that that strike me about it one is it's quite a lot darker than say the train job and i think that's much more in line with the kind of original whedon and minor vision for the show Okay, and it, it does surprise me that the the network were fine with that. I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but I think the other thing about this episode is it's kind of badly constructed as a story, okay. in the sense that it has 
has a subplot that doesn't really go anywhere. The the kind of booby trap thing feels mm-hmm. a bit like filler. In, I mean, it, it's a it's a nice hook, but then what happens is, well, Kaylee crawls through a few passages and disarms it, and everything's fine. And then you and then you have this rather um, more apparently terminal encounter with the Alliance ship, where it appears that Mal's going to lose Serenity and that's going to be the end of the show. And and the the resolution to that one doesn't seem to me... I mean, it is, it's paid off, but it... Hmm. I, I don't know about you, but it doesn't quite feel right to okay. me. Alright, I will skip to my, uh, to my uh, last question. Or what was my last question. I've added a new one since then. Was Serenity released because the charges were disproven? Or was the captain just doing him a favor? I think from the comments that Jane makes there, what we're supposed to infer is that the captain, out of gratitude for having his life saved, lets the crew go. Okay. That I, I was kind of... I mean, I, I think they disproved that they were pirates that attacked and destroyed the ship and killed the crew and stole the cargo. I think, I think Mal did successfully prove that wasn't them, and so therefore that particular charge... Uh, would be dropped but you know how did he prove it well he kept giving them the pitch it was the reavers and he got quote unquote some evidence that it was a crazy guy i'm gonna accept that that whereas previously the captain was completely not uh buying if on that story that at least he had something that made it seem a little more plausible to him i agree it wouldn't hold up in a court of law probably uh, and if they have yeah, courts of law, I mean, fair enough. This isn't a court of law. the The point is, he he was going to be charged, and then he wasn't charged. Yeah, he or gave an account were, of himself, and they didn't believe it. And then some more corroborating evidence came along and said, "All right, well, that's a possibility." I mean, obviously, I could have been a member of the Serenity crew that went nuts and did it, but for whatever reason, yeah, I I wasn't sure. And then the captain blowing up the other ship, even though that was uh, against the rules. As he said, it's evidence in a crime. Is is that why he blew up the ship? So that there would be no evidence that this crime even existed as or, part of his letting Mal go? Or does he believe the superstitious BS about, ooh, you know, people were killed on this ship. Now it's a bad place. It's still a ship. Take the bomb off. Hose off the blood. It's a ship. You know, it, it, Mal's kind of, for somebody who has expressed a disdain for religion seems a little mystical on this to me oh you know bad stuff's happened there and eh, so it's a bad place just blow it up I, I i didn't understand that unless he's thinks the reavers are magical frankly that was one of the things that confused me in the you know when he was giving his his suggestions to if I, if I take my advice you'll just blow the thing up and it's like why like it made no sense whatsoever to me except that it's a it's a bit i i I don't I don't know exactly where it comes from but there there is an element of um when something like that has happened you don't you you feel the thing is tainted right uh, I we I know psychologically that that is a true statement they've done tests so the site, and people the won't site wear of a, a terrorist incident for example mm-hmm. you if it if it's a if it's a terrible atrocity rather than trying to repair and rebuild sometimes you just say, all right, pull the thing down and turn it into a memorial. Blowing it up wouldn't turn it into a memorial, though. No. I mean, there's there's, there's a, there's a positive you, what act What would you do it. with it? Um, same thing that they did with it in the first place. 
They said it was probably a surp, uh, not surplus, but uh, you know, a repossession auction. And people buy them and then turn them into settler ships and head on out, haul yeah, it back sure, in, fix it up, sell it to it. the. You wouldn't want to turn it into a settler ship. That's the point. Why wouldn't you? Money's money. The people buying it wouldn't know. I, okay, I'm I'm not remotely yeah, superstitious but the people about selling these. it. Would know. I mean that 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 is the point, isn't it? I'm not that's, sure. That's I... why you don't want to do something with property that has. Yeah, the, but the the point being, like, it, sorry to say, they've done tests. People, a vast majority of people, will not wear a sweater, even an expensive sweater, if they think it was worn by a serial killer. That's they've they've done studies on this sort of thing, and I, people I'm not doubting it for a second. People think that there's some sort of taint, but there isn't. Wash it, clean it, off you go. Wouldn't bother Washes. me in the slightest. Wouldn't bother me in the slightest. If you couldn't get the blood stains out, that's different. But if I needed a sweater. I, it wouldn't stop me. I don't wear sweaters, so I, I would have a different excuse for not wearing very often anyway. Um, you know, I wouldn't have much excuse, but I, I can understand why the owners of there's it... There's no chance I'd wear it. No chance I'd wear it. See, I think, and that's, that's part of it. And there's no superstition about it. That feels like a Seriously, superstition. it's not me. like I believe something is going to rub off or anything like that. Then, I mean, what, what, why do you think I wouldn't wear it? Do you imagine that I'm somehow worried that I'm going to turn into a serial killer myself? I can't understand why you wouldn't wear it. That, that's my point. I don't, understand the, I don't understand the logic behind that. It's an inanimate object. It doesn't, I mean, it, you know, perhaps if it had the words, this sweater was worn by a serial killer, I might not walk around in it because that might be a danger to my life. But I, 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 kind, of, I kind of don't get it. And then taking a step forward, okay, that's... Me personally, right? I, I know someone who was killed with a gun and owing to the circumstances, the police take that away. That does not take it away as the property of the people who own that. So the police will return it. A lot of times you don't want it back. But I can say that because of emotional reasons. I emotionally don't want that or i'd prefer to see another gun in the world destroyed any of those reasons behind it but if the, i needed one i the first one the emotional one is is the same thing that's the reason the people not wearing a serial killer's sweater but personal the, to me mal wanting to destroy this ship and i might not wear it if the serial killer had murdered someone i knew might be different i might emotionally go yeah that's going to remind me and then therefore I wouldn't like it. But in the case of the oh, Alliance so, okay. taking and a it, ship it, it, and selling it on an anonymous auction to someone, that's going to go through so many hands that that is just a ship. And it, it's not going to have any emotional resonance with anyone down the line. Yeah. Uh, so I, th I, I think there is a difference between what Mal wants to do, which is blow up the ship because he's witnessed what has happened in it and he does have an emotional response to it as, as opposed to what this Alliance bloke thinks about it because he's not getting the same emotional experience having a second-hand account of it until his crew is killed and then he blows it up is that yeah. is that where we're supposed to go on that well i don't know i don't know i mean it would be one possible explanation but people react in different ways you and i have reacted in different ways to the, to this idea and we don't get a lot about this guy's character so who's to say yeah and and, and you know i'm still trying to figure mal out I really am. There, there are times when he takes a position that, and and I hate. So uh, let's go. Mal's Mal seems to be antagonistic towards religion, and there are characters on television that take uh, such a, a, a let's call it atheistic view. Um, House. That's a reasoned argument that House makes. 
He has no need for that hypothesis, right? And it's, it's, it's that kind of... But that's uncommon for television characters. A lot of time, at least in the United States, a lot of times if they, if they want to portray a character as an atheist, they portray him as an atheist because something terrible happened to him and why, oh, why would God ever allow this to happen to me? And so it gives the religious audience watching this the opportunity to think, you know, that guy's going to come back to it because he's going to learn that God has his own mysterious ways. It's Unfortunately, it's, it's a, a trope of the way they portray atheists in American television or have most of the years. I kind of getting that from Mal. Unrealistic. It, it it does happen, but I don't think that's the majority of people who are atheists in the world are are not there because their their child died from bot fly in the eye or something. I, I don't think that's what it is, but it is. I would say, and I'm beginning to think that's what it is with Mal. I mean, I don't know if we that revelation ever is to come out of this at any point, but I'm I'm kind of getting the impression he's not there because he finds it ridiculous he's there because he feels abandoned by the notion of it and which would help vaguely in the idea that he allows book to go back for more than just a distraction to conduct the rites and the fact that he seems to have an idea of basically blowing up the ship as a tomb in a way i mean that's that's kind of like the ultimate funeral right there we just get be done with this people the bodies the 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 rights and stuff. So I, I still trying to get a handle on this guy, but he's clearly. I don't think. Oh, I don't think it's actually about religion. That's not the. That's not the impression I get. I. I, I, I think he's. He's being iconoclastic, and that's. That's equally applicable to things like the institutions of the alliance. It could be. It's. It's just that that book is the representative of another institution that he doesn't respect but that doesn't necessarily mean okay it's possible he he doesn't have his own rituals or ways of relating to things that are not hyper rational mm, i well i don't i certainly don't think mal is a particularly hyper rational individual and he's clearly not and 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 i mentioned it in an earlier episode the alliance commander mentioned it in this episode huh you named your ship after the last battle i mean that's so <laughs> obvious uh, this is a guy who who has a deep emotional investment and can't let it go. So yeah. I mean, he, he's he's burning a long grudge there. So um, yeah, but you um, don't get many hyper rational characters anyway. No, you don't. I mean, you don't get many hyper rational people for a start. You that's get a fair number too. of people who think they're hyper rational, but that's true too. That is true too. But um, and of course, a television character is uh, is just that. They're a character to help drive along. a a narrative so but i am i'm still frankly trying to figure mal out is well, i think one of the things that's interesting to me about mal in this episode which is something that hasn't really been apparent to me on previous watches because i think i mean well this time around we're we're looking at it in an analytical way and i've been particularly looking into some of the reasons why the show had the rocky start that it had and coming out of that you know that whole issue of the the pilot not being suitable was the fact that the network didn't like the way that mal was being written they didn't essentially they didn't want a morally ambiguous lead they wanted a hero mm. and so one of the things that you get in this episode is a lot of reaction to mal doing the right thing 
or apparently doing the right thing. So, I mean, on a couple of occasions, one where he makes the first decision to board the ship because there may be survivors on the ship and it, and that's the right thing to do, even if it's at, at risk to themselves. And obviously there's, there's the question of whether that, that might be an opportunity to enrich themselves, but the, certainly the impression you're left with is he's doing the right thing. And, um, and then later, when he uh, allows a book to go back and, and read the rights, he's apparently doing the right thing. And um, there's the occasion when Inara says... Maybe, maybe I don't know you that well. She's surprised by the yeah, fact that surprised. he's done the right thing. And I'm not. That's the thing. Because it's not really inconsistent with three episodes in, or two episodes, if you're watching the original run on Fox. We've already seen that Mal does the right thing with the stolen medicine in the train job. And we haven't really had very much of this, this kind of very... Uh, I don't know quite what the word is, but but um, emotionally disconnected uh, kind of anti-hero Mal uh, that we should be we should be seeing transform. But of course, there isn't there hasn't been time for us okay, to be fine. shown that. So all we're getting is the transformation through the reactions of the other characters, I, I, and I, it's not it it does it's not as it doesn't have as uh, as much impact. It's something I'm only really noticing paying attention to it now on this watch through i have two other things that that occurred in this episode and pretty much everything about mal i i have noted down here is the dichotomy between the two did he go on the ship because he was rescuing seeing that there were survivors did he go on the ship to enrich himself um another one is did he save simon and river because it's the right thing to do or did he save simon and river because if they found him on the ship they'd be up a creek and the third one is he diffuses the bomb. He gets, or he personally doesn't diffuse the bomb, but in other words, he detects that there's a bomb there. He gets the others off the ship so they don't know about it. He has Kaylee um, sit. Now, would it have destroyed everyone over on the other ship too if it had blown up? Not sure. So he might be saving their lives. But at the same time, they close it up and they're not going to tell anybody. Are they ever going to tell anybody? Or is it just best that secrets be kept and they not know that they might have died on the ship? Because, you know, that's that could be self-serving. Because if they knew what the risks were of staying aboard his ship, they might opt to leave at some point with an extra data point. So, again, I'm just like, why is he, why is he doing this in the episode? I can't pin the guy down quite well, yet. I think that, that is de- that's deliberate in the sense that because, because he doesn't have to make the hard choices we don't yet get to see what kind of a person he actually is it, it, it to me it feels like this episode was intentionally set that way that this is a period of set a, a piece of set pieces designed to show us that mal has that split and that we don't uh that we don't know what the, the thing is and i think that maybe you mentioned that the structure of the story doesn't quite work for you i i, I didn't dislike the episode this is another one of those ones i watched it. i'm like yeah it's all right and then that was fine um but yeah it did seem sort of like we're just sort of bumbling from one sort of set piece to the next without really having a through story here other than just how do we get out of here kind of uh situation yes. i mean it, the the the, in, the internal narrative to the episode is feels to me a little bit fragmented Set, set pieces joined together is a good way of describing it. I think that one of the reasons it's, it's here is because the Reavers don't appear in the train job. Mm-hmm. That, that's, 
That's my impression. So if you haven't seen Serenity, the Reavers haven't been introduced, and therefore they're taking the opportunity in what would be the second episode of the original Aired run to introduce the Reavers. And one of the things that does stay with me, um, though it's not particularly pleasant, is that image of the victims strung up in the in the um, abandoned ship. So I will say that's quite quite effective. Yeah, I was going to ask... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go on. I was going to ask you, when you said earlier that you found this much darker episode, I guess my question was, were you referring to the, the, the events in the episode or were you referring to the characters in the episode? You mean the regular characters? Yeah, yeah, the regulars. I guess I was thinking a bit more about the events. Okay. Um, I, I agree with all of your comments about Mal, um, but the other, the other thing that I did enjoy on this rewatch that I hadn't particularly remembered about is just how good the interview sequences are when they get taken onto the Alliance ship. And again, this is a really good thing for for an early episode, so second episode, third episode, um, even though it's quite entertaining in its own right, is you get is you get these kind of almost talking head moments where they're they're responding to the questions they're being asked that you haven't even heard. And the way in which they answer those questions tells you an awful lot about their characters, such as Zoe's refusal to talk about her marriage in any terms whatsoever because it's a private uh, mm-hmm. private matter. And Wash's kind of instant expounding of the favourite parts of Zoe's anatomy for him, um, or the fact that uh, all Kaylee will talk about are the actual or her, her criticisms of the of the uh, mechanics of the Alliance ship. So then they're they're nice character moments, and they're they're I don't think they are particularly darker in terms of the way the characters act or react in this episode. It's just that they're facing slightly darker circumstances. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, okay. All right. I was I was curious about that because I didn't really see the characters as darker, although point taken. Um, you know, in the last episode. Mal was given the hard choice and he took the right one. He gave the medicine back at expense and risk to himself for no, you know, no benefit whatsoever. You know, unambiguously, there is nothing that he can do there other than, you know, lose from a personal standpoint by giving them, uh, by giving that yeah. medicine back. So, so in that episode, he is, he does play the hero a bit. In this episode, he plays the hero, but in every step of the way, he might be not. <laughs> it's like, he might be still doing it entirely to line his own pockets. And then the third alternative is the the in I think the scene to go ahead and rescue and not rescue is probably the best one. He could just be really good at playing his crowd. You know, give them give everybody what they want to to get the way get what you want. Who's so, his crowd? Yeah, the crew. So okay. he, he wants to go across. Let's say he, let's say. Let's pretend he decides to do the hero thing. Yeah, we have to go check out and see if there's any survivors over there. Okay. Um, he gives in to Book because Book placed the argument. His excuse to everyone is, hey, I don't want these people looking over my shoulder or looking over their shoulders at me. Uh, you know, okay, that makes it sound like he's doing it begrudgingly. So he can kind of get off. I'm not playing a hero here. I'm, I'm looking out for myself. And then he, he butters up Jane by going, could be salvage over there. <gasps> salvage? What? Oh, okay. So, I mean, he is kind of just laying out the seeds for everyone in the room to have their own, to go along with his decision. Okay, well, 
Well, I mean, because one of the things that I want to ask you in relation to your responses to Mal are, I mean, the the first question is, do you feel that you want him to do the quote-unquote right thing? Yes. (laughs) Wow, you had to think about that. I did. Well, I I, I was making sure that wasn't a trick question. No. (laughs) It's not a trick. It's not a trick question. But but why? I was I was sitting there thinking the right thing. I was sitting there thinking that's exactly what I was. That's why it took so long to do that. Um, I was looking at that going, so all right, you pull up and you see a ship in space. You see a dead body floating outside the ship. What what would I do? And, you know, I'm I'm have a dearth of knowledge about what goes on in space and how dangerous it is and how how. You know, what are the likelihoods that, you know, it's booby trapped or that it's a that 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 is the bait in a trap or all of these things with regards to to space. But yes, I I honestly went along with his motives uh, in a way. I was like, A, there might be people over there. So you should go. My first thought. And my second thought before this is even expressed on the screen. B, if there isn't booty. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the deal is with space salvage law. So if indeed law applies here, and, and I have that as a question for... Hang on. But yes, I think, uh, you know... Well, and the other reason I want him to go see it is the story is not very interesting if he just goes on. No, no, no. But I right? mean... When I'm watching TV, in, in I, I general, expect them to do general, something in that situation. Not, not but, even just on this particular question of should he go and see if there are any survivors, but on the question of should he... Uh, shelter simon and river or you know go back to the train job should he have given the medicine back the question the 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 thing that interests me is why why do i want mal to turn out to be the hero because isn't that what a hero is supposed to be the 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 person that does does the thing that you know is right that's what the hero is supposed to be but is mal supposed to be the hero he is the main man he's the main man but i mean i i my answer to this would be one of two possibilities, I think. Either it's because there is something quite likeable about Nathan Fillion's performance. Uh, he, he's quite a, a charismatic leader. And the other is, on the leadership question, he is actually quite good at it. So some of these things that you're talking about where he listens to book and he weighs up what he's being told and then he at least appears to base his decision on it. Or when he sends them over to the ship in order that he can supervise a, a, a booby trap a diffusion expedition um, and he keeps it secret. And yes, he is being paternalistic and you could argue that that is the wrong thing to do, but he's doing it because that is his leadership style and his goal is to keep this disparate bunch of outlaws and misfits operating in some kind of harmony or at least minimizing the disharmony and he's good at it he is good at it he he has been a leader you know in in the war he was a a leader of men then and now as a captain he is a good leader you know in as in as far as i mean all he's all he is is basically a a pirate with a tiny crew but still he does a good job of it and so there's something admirable admirable about that (sighs) Yes, he does seem to be suited to keeping the group going, and I think reading into it, it makes he's you trying to keep to them alive. Him. He's trying to keep them fed. Um, 
you know, I, I, I feel like he's bonded that group together and said, this is my group. This is my tribe. I will you and, know, and if you, do and my if thing you against one of them, the world. That would make you feel safe. And you would want to carry on feeling safe. So you'd want to carry on feeling that he was not only capable of doing that, but also that if you happen to be a stowaway, he wouldn't turn you over to the Alliance at the next port. Well, this is, you know, I am not a, I'm not a believer in, I know it happens and it's very trendy. Uh, I'm not really a fan of stories where we follow somebody that I don't like, that I don't agree with, that I don't, I can disagree with them. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, if, if you're following the villain, for want of a better word, I, I don't. I don't I care loved, for that. I love the, the War Master stories that Big Finish did with Derek Jacobi. So I'm not yes, sure I can entirely but, agree. With, but in, mm, yes, but that's a, in many instances, he's still ending up doing the right thing. And there is where the balance comes out very difficult. I, I, you know, I think I'm not a, was not a fan of, because for not not for these reasons, but you know the the TV series Dallas, uh, the bad guy became the star Jr. That was just mm-hmm. because it was the performance. It was the the you know the, the it, it was something charismatic about the character in whether the way it was written, whether the way it was played. They did it. The character of Avon and Blake Seven is very much the same. You know he's a self serving. Everything he says is, it's mm-hmm. about me, it's about saving my way. But in the end, his actions are not that. All, all the way through, in the end, his actions are pretty much not that. And, it, and that, that's, that's maybe a cop-out, but it is a difficult line to tread. It's a very difficult line to tread. And, you know, do you, would, would I want, if, if Avon didn't do that in the end, if he wasn't, you know, ultimately play the secondary hero to Blake when needed, he's there as a foil to Blake, which... Which is perfectly acceptable. You know, if he, if he never did the right thing, but he was always there to say what needed to be said to Blake to, to provide the counterpoint, to provide the witty comment, then I can accept that. But I wouldn't necessarily accept it as the, the primary character unless we had, you know, this, this sort of deep-seated, well, in the end, he will do the right thing. Um, because if the character will not do the right thing in the end, then I kind of don't want to be invested in them. Just like I wouldn't want to be invested in that human being. If they were a real person, but, uh, th- at some point you have to walk away I, from I, I, them, right? I mean, if you, if you know someone in your life who ultimately is always doing the wrong thing, is always doing the evil thing, that is always plotting against, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 their values are so intrinsically different from yours. Unlike, yeah, they may be your family, and then you have a problem distant, but you know, from friends and acquaintances, you just don't. You just don't go back and visit them. You stay away from them. I turn off well, the TV I, yes. show. Right. Well, no, I no because TV isn't real life. TV, right, but I TV characters it. aren't your friends. I, I mean, I'll say. I mean, I, I said I certainly found that I had a difficult time with, say, the Shield, mm-hmm. where it's you know essentially following the the bad guy, and that that's kind of yeah, that's different. Uh, on the other hand, the original House of Cards is absolutely compelling. I, th- I think for the most part, the interesting characters, and you do get invested in them, are not the characters who are the hero or the absolute bad guy. They have a set of values. They could be at complete right angles to yours. I mean, if I think about, say, uh, Homicide, Life on the Street, I, one of the most interesting characters in that show is Frank Pembleton. And, you know, every second that Andre Breuger is on the screen, you're absolutely riveted by everything 
that he does. You you want to see more of him. Whether I would and and th- that's an investment. Mm. There's no doubt that's an investment. Whether I would say I agree with his values, I you know I very rarely actually think I do agree with anything he says. Okay, then let me ask this question because it comes back to your question to me. Did I want Mal to do the right thing? Do you want the guy, even if you have an incredibly charismatic bad guy or or whatever you call, do you do you not watch it for A, the performance, and B, to see how he gets it in the end? How he ultimately, that you, leads to the ruination or destruction? You mean when it's a bad guy, how it leads yep. to Aren't, aren't you looking forward to his downfall? Isn't that... In, in, in much like rooting for the good guys, aren't you? Aren't you also watching to see how this goes all wrong for them? You know, I'm not sure I do because if I think about whether, I mean, if you, if you so okay, slight spoilers ahead if you haven't read House of Cards or seen it, but the ending's different when you read it and on the TV series, and the reason for the ending being different is that it made it a better ending when he gets away with it. Also, possibly it opens up the possibility for a sequel, but then there's a sequel to the book, so I, you know anything's possible. And and I I think that was kind of one of the things Did you... that I didn't find satisfying about the final cut was that it was all about you, what what you what you get used to. I mean, I think I think I think it's a difficult thing to do. So I, I in a way I agree with everything you're saying. It's much much harder to make an antagonist interesting than it is. When, when, not interesting that's that's wrong it's much harder to make an antagonist sufficiently engaging to carry a story than it is you know a, a, a heroic protagonist figure but when it's done well and i think you know the sequel to house of cards to play the king is, is just incredibly clever because it does have it, it it's least as good so it's a it's a very good sequel but it's not it's no longer all about how evil urquhart is it's actually having him in this um, sort of contest of wills with the prince. And you do, whatever you really think about it, you do find yourself rooting for Urquhart as a character. Did you read House of Cards the book first or watch the series first? I probably watched the series first. Probably watched the series first. Because uh, we asked this question. If, and I don't know if you'll be able to put yourself in that spot, you say the endings are different, he gets away with it in the... In the the series but not in the book is is it wrong how do i put this what, what i'm getting at is does it make a difference that there's an actor performing the part so so no taking back taking back to the whole jr ewing thing i, I don't think that would have or or avon i don't think either of those would have risen to the top of the series of the shows that they were in respectively if it were not the actor's performance if you watched it written on paper i feel like you would want them to lose that's my take yes, on it. I agree. And but then, but when you because you're talking about ensemble pieces, yeah, you're catching somebody who is doing that. That because humans, uh, good acting draws you into that person, whether they're right or wrong. You can you there is something about that piece of the medium that, yeah. that changes the story. Uh, but, but but also, Jr. I, I believe wasn't written as the lead, and Avon certainly wasn't no. written as the lead. It was they the became both became that though. Yeah, but it but that was driven by the performances. If if Avon hadn't been played by Paul Darrow, do yep. you think he would have got? Would he would have gained the popularity that he did? I doubt it. But it, re- I, and I'm <sighs> maybe maybe. But I don't. I don't. I can't say. It's impossible to say. A lot of people I know um, 
were absolutely positively, for example, dead set against recasting Star Trek. Um, you know, no one else will ever be Captain Kirk except William Shatner. No one else will be Spock except Leonard Nimoy. And whereas I'm very deeply invested in those two characters and those two actors, I don't, I don't buy that. I, I believe that another actor can bring, it's a character that you love, not the person. And I believe that another actor can come in and play the part, perhaps bring a different take to the part, perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps Changes not. The character. Uh, you know, Hamlet, does Hamlet really get changed from one actor to another? A little bit, yes, oh, yes. but it's still Hamlet. Right, it is still basically the same story plot thing, and and different actors bring different takes on it to the same end, more or less. Doesn't bother me at all that that you would have one after the other. And I'm not trying to compare Captain Kirk to Hamlet, but the principle is the same. It is a character that is being brought to life by a person, and it, you know, are you vested in the character? Or are you invested in the actor? And I'm vested in the characters. And so, can another can I play those parts? Absolutely. Um, I might not like it as well. I might like it better. Don't know. And the same would be true with Avon. I have no problem with the recasting. Um, there was um, there was a um, audio play version of Blake Seven that was done not by Big Finish but by somebody else, where they completely recast it and they they recast Avon as um, Colin Salmon. Yes, Colin Salmon. And no, he was. was or was he Blake? He was. No, he was Avon. He was Avon. Just fine. It was just fine. It was, it was slightly, it was a different character because it wasn't exact straight up replay, but I mean, it worked great. I had no problem with it. Um, you know, it's not Paul Darrow, but, but nonetheless. So anyway. I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really, I could, I could go off on my own thing about recasting. I'm not really questioning that. I, I, what I'm suggesting with things like oh, yeah. Dallas and Blake Seven is that the writers were responding to something that came more from the performance than anything else. Well, I think that's, because yeah. I think they they wouldn't they have known that what they had written was going to be as successful on screen without seeing it, and part of seeing it was the person who brought it to life. Uh, I I think there's there's absolutely truth to that. You you start rewriting the character, you start changing what parts they get, you based on the response to the audience and the characters. So, anyway. so if you'd had someone other than Nathan Fillion playing Mal. Yeah, we are. We're talking yeah. about Firefly. Yes, yeah, we are. We are. Um, if you if you had someone other playing Mal, it might have meant that the the run didn't get taken off after eleven episodes were aired, or it might have take, been taken off after three. I have got. I know Nathan Fillion has got a, a big following with regards to Firefly. Um, I, I I think he fits the part fine. I cannot imagine anyone else doing it. I really, you know, he, he's he's. I can't. He's kind of got that folksy thing that we kind of want for the cowboy aspect of it. He's he's yeah. kind of got, he's got a reasonable look. Um, his acting is is fine. Uh, but he's know, also got that charisma that yeah, he he's makes perfectly him attractive. perfectly acceptable for this lead. I I I don't feel like this is miscast at all. In, in any way, shape, or form. Could other people do it? Sure, because I don't know Nathan Fillion, and so, you know, I, this is a bazillion other actors I don't know that, that could have easily come in and done the part. I, You know, Tom Cruise. No. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Just no. Although I think he's doing the big the big budget uh, movie remakes. I don't know. Um, joking. I'm making fun of Simon's references to the Mission Impossible movies reviews that he's doing on his website. A little storping in the swuff. Just saying. Thanks to the thug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better you than me watching through the Mission Impossible films. Anyway, um, 
<laughs> okay, let me just pull up a couple more things I have here about we, we run long on this discussion, but frankly, that's what the whole point is that it can derail itself, and I, I have a problem. Um, when they were raiding the ship, I, this is a nitpick. Really, Jane's picking the food right off the grill. Isn't doesn't it go bad if it's just sitting on the grill for a while? Yeah, I, I thought that was weird. Wouldn't she go to the cupboards and start taking the stuff out of the refrigerator and stuff and not scraping the half-cooked food? Because we don't know how long that ship's been there. It could have been there six months before they came along. That could be... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say Jane probably isn't the sharpest tool in the box. Good but point. I'd expect him to be smart enough to notice that. Yeah, okay. Good point. Good point. Um, I guess the other one that I really want to bring up is the Reavers. I... And yes, of course, I've seen both Serenity in this episode where we've been references to reavers and and the absolute bowel flushing reaction jane has to them every time he hears the word reavers which is which is particularly effective i think because jane is this i mean he he again i think it's another character where the the performance really makes it because you could see some people not being able to play the the character in an interesting way given that he is he is the anti-hero he is pretty unsympathetic but he he, he he's played with with a, a kind of humor here where which comes through from the the kind of hyperbole about how big the guy who attacked him was and and so forth but also that reaction he gives given how big and macho he is to the reavers i.e. he just wants to run away as fast as they possibly can is quite effective in emphasizing how bad they are i'm having trouble with how bad they are though I, I'm 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 not convinced by the portrait that I'm being painted of the Reavers. They come off as feral, nasty, non-human. I mean, over and over, they're not humans anymore. They're non-human. Um, they raid a ship. They kill everybody on board. What else did they do? Oh, and they set a booby trap. So they had no gain for this. They didn't take the food. They didn't. They didn't take the women. They didn't. They did this for no other reason than just they're flying through space, which costs money and fuel and requires technological resources and requires people not to be feral ape creatures that can fix a spaceship and do all the the necessary repairs to keep yourself as a spacefaring. I mean, everyone else who's not killing everybody all the time are stuck on planets riding horses. How the heck do the Reavers have a fleet of spaceships flying around, killing and, and doing pointless destruction and when they are killing people they're strapping one survivor down and apparently prying his eyes open and forcing him to watch them brutally murder everyone else so that then suddenly he becomes one of them because that's all that the human psyche can possibly do in that situation uh, all of that just really doesn't doesn't fly for me i i i don't know if we ever see the reavers in the the course of the series but at as it stands right now, it's possibly the dumbest idea I've ever heard in uh, for uh, the big bad in a science fiction show. That that just comes off to me as is like this is utterly unbelievable. Um, you know, if they put it as being an alien race that just does that because it's an alien culture, then I would say that's a the worst idea Star Trek ever came up with for an alien race. <laughs> You know, because a lot of times they use an alien race as a metaphor for some specific aspect of our society, and they produce basically but a it, monoculture. It clearly is a metaphor. It, it, it is, but it ends up becoming. But that's why it becomes kind of ridiculous on when they do that in Star Trek too, because it's you get this whole planet, and you're you're trying to convince us that they all believe exactly the same way. It's a monoculture. Here we have these reavers that seem to have no purpose. 
at the moment other than to torture and eat people. And they didn't even eat those people, as far as I can tell, when they hung their bodies up. So I, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, they're not pirates. They're not. No, I, th- I mean, they I didn't think take the this, fuel because the this ship's thrusters were still running. Given, given the timing of it, this has got to be heavily influenced by the Rwandan genocide, I would have thought. But I mean, the, it, it, it's again, the, the kind of horror of the extreme war crimes that get committed again and again and that keep coming to light. But those all eyes have a political agenda behind them too. Particular period. I don't I don't see what the Reavers are attempting to achieve. And maybe that's terrorism is is is, terrorism is a if that's what this is, to terrify Jane, for example, I mean they've done that, usually has a political agenda behind it. But political agendas are not necessarily very sophisticated. That would be the key point I would make. So a lot of well, they're not our greatest philosophers. Kind of atrocious war, a, 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 acts of war are done for reasons that do not appear to be very robust, mm. if I can put it that way, and that are based more on emotion than logic, especially when we're dealing with creatures here that we're told have... Well, I can't quite remember what we've been told at this point. But there's, there's certainly, well, we've seen all three episodes. So. A, there is a regression through... Um, through something through their evolution yeah i haven't figured out whether or not they're supposed to be physiologically different from us or they just hack their bodies apart and split their tongues and stuff to be to be tribalistically uh gruesome or i i i don't know but but i i'm not you know again they and, planted and I, a bomb I, I, I kind of to... agree with you that the speed the speed with which the the survivor becomes you know, starts act, acting out is is un in, incredibly accelerated so the the idea isn't that incredible but the speed with which we see it is obviously a convenience for the storytelling and it's again i think simply a metaphor for for the kind of idea that these kind of horrors begat further horrors mm. and and that there you know that there is a cycle to these kind of atrocities that it's it's almost like they are they are self-replicating they're memes of a sort and and I did have that question. I was like, "Is this how reavers replicate?" <laughs> As opposed to taking and raping settlers, which well, I'm not going to say anything about reavers. Okay, so obviously they are they're coming back. Okay, I yeah, I will say this isn't the last we have seen. Well, we haven't seen them yet. <laughs> we, seen them. we didn't we see one in Serenity? We saw the ship. Maybe not. Maybe not. We saw the ship, but but we haven't seen them. One of them in action, to my knowledge. Uh, all right, so um, let's see. Just a couple more things. One here, the, not much for the character of River to do, but um, she seems to be psychic. I think. Yep. Is it empathically psychic? Is she getting emotional stuff? Or I, I, I'm I'm willing to leave the 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 cards out for the moment and not try to figure out River. I don't think the character does much in in the scheme of the story here except wander around and scream periodically. Um, yeah, I mean, I still think out of the Tam siblings, she is the more interesting in this story. But Well, that's you know. not saying much for Simon. No. <laughs> that's not much saying much for Simon. Um, I, I just, yeah, it's like, I, I, I guess a non-lucid character really doesn't engage me much. So I'm, I'm not, yeah, like, okay, well, hopefully that, Hopefully that ability of hers will come in some value at some point in the future because at the moment it's it's not 
it's not accomplishing anything other than just have somebody wander around in, in a daze, basically. Um, I did take a look <clears throat> at maritime salvage laws, <laughs> trying to figure okay. out... Uh, trying to figure Hoping out... Hoping that they're not going to change in the next 500 years. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I'm not even... I, what do we get from this is television so what do you, you know what do you get and there are situations where you do there are places where countries require you to have a salvage permit but and so that may be maybe what's going on here the alliance is just saying everyone has to have salvage but you know there are there are reasons why you would want to do that for example if you didn't have that situation guess what people, people salvage things that haven't been wrecked yet that's correct. They they become pirates and they claim it's salvage, and so there is there is that. Um, apparently, if if you this is no joke. If let's say you're on a boat and you got a problem, and somebody comes along and assists you, like you're leaking or something, and they come over and they fix your ship under a boat under certain circumstances, they're entitled to salvage. Yeah, um, they have to and take it to the salvage of, court. Of course. Well, uh, I would say there are there were wreckers so mm. people who would deliberately lead boats onto the rocks for example by showing lights showing their own lights that the the pilots of the boats would mistake the harbor lights but that would steer them onto the rocks wrecking the ships that would then be salvageable by the wreckers but what i'm what i'm taking from it is that if you rescue uh, if you genuinely rescue a ship or or salvage a ship if you come across a damaged ship and unless it's a military vessel, um, you there's a process by which you would then take it back, and if you can, I and take it to a salvage court, mm -hmm. and you are entitled to yeah. something for it. That you know, partial value of the ship, partial value of the cargo, whatever it is, it's salvage. You don't get to keep it, but you are in you are entitled to something for it. And how that works is going to depend on whether they know who owns it. Whether there's, you know, whether, you know what what the circumstances are, whether you had a contract to salvage the ship, whether you didn't have the contract to salvage the ship, uh, whether someone else had a contract to salvage the ship, uh, would you know all of that goes into this equation. And uh, yeah. so just the fact that they came across this ship, tried to render assistance, and then pulled the cargo off, if it's not piracy, there should be a a legal redress of some kind because this stuff does happen it just wasn't it wasn't an act of piracy so no but it might not have been it, as you say there are legal processes for this. so like t 10 years ago when the uh napoli was wrecked and all the containers came ashore around branscombe all the locals went down there and just took whatever there was you know there was there were motorbikes and things for goodness sake but that wasn't legal because as you say there are processes by which you have to establish your claim and i don't get the impression that mal is big on oh absolutely not filing because, the paperwork because it's the alliance absolutely but just the fact that he's leaving the ship with the stuff on board is not necessarily a crime you know i mean no. he's the, the alliance no. picks him up if he'd walked in there and filed the paperwork with them yes you he, know, he could say yeah I, I haven't done it yet yeah well i haven't had a chance I literally haven't had the chance i just came across the ship you came across us in the post yeah um we were heading to the nearest Alliance post to file our claim. You know, I mean, that, that's... And and it's believable because they're sitting there on the wreck still. It's not like they found them, you know, six months later and they go, so why haven't you filed the paperwork for that yet? Yeah. You know, so I, I, I was a little 
it, it the whole well, issue. I don't, of the I don't legal... think there's any question that there's a there's a big element of discretion in this, which is why, although it, although it did seem a bit out of character to to let them go in the end after having his life saved, it didn't seem utterly absurd because it was his choice in the first place to basically uh, investigate his suspicion that they had been plundering or however you know whatever illegal activity you want to describe it as you know illegal salvage or piracy you know actually i think plunder is legal as well that's a a specific term i may even still have it up on my screen here i'm 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 still i i i I will defer to your to your legal expertise on all of this but i'm still going to plead the fact that it's possible laws may change in the course of 500 years and the formation of a new um, alliance of colonies of and i don't uh, think i don't think we have international waters here i think the alliance is as i think that much we've gotten out of it by the way the narration from book was on this one at the beginning too on the the version i was watching and um you know i think the alliance has just claimed all of space as their territory and so therefore you know territorial waters versus international waters makes a difference on salvage law as well and uh here everything's their territorial waters and that's typically where you can enforce you have to have a salvage permit to conduct any salvage activities uh so but there'll be places uh, no, easier to enforce and places it's more difficult absolutely and absolutely. we know that that serenity operates on the fringes yeah right so right i i have absolutely no doubt that if mal you know, he wasn't going to file a claim and he was going to take those untraceable goods and uh, or probably untraceable goods and sell them somewhere or sell them somewhere. Well, where I they think didn't it's a care. safe bet, seeing seeing as that was what we saw him do in Serenity. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, let's see. I do. I do want to say this. I think you made some comment about the ease or the difficulty Kaylee had in defusing the bomb. Um, this this is one of those things that I've always thought was kind of funny in television uh, and movies is how difficult it is to defuse a bomb. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna claim to be an expert, but I'm an expert enough about electricity to know that a bomb won't go off if you don't have power, right? If it's got an electronic detonation, if it's got no electricity, it's not going off. So I suspect that from the standpoint of somebody who's actually putting bombs down, that it's not hideously difficult to defuse it from the standpoint of, well, step one, step two, step three, step four kind of thing, but more it's a question of they expect the bomb to go off without you ever knowing it was there. So I don't think that the Reavers would have made this particularly diabolically difficult to defuse bomb. I think the whole point no. behind it was that it was just, you know, it's just surreptitiously goes there and kaboom, you're dead. And so, yes. I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't have any problem with me. In fact, I like the fact that she just hopped down, picked the right, you know, picked the thing. You go, OK, there we go. We're good. No, I defused. liked it. It was it was just that it was a, a plot strand that did did nothing more than fill five minutes. Uh, true. But that's scenes in search of a plot yeah for the story yes. to kill some time yeah. the, um, the, the scene itself is not a problem the the shape of the episode overall felt i mean it felt a bit like it it was really a story in two parts um in the in the sense that going going aboard the reeve ship finding whatever they found on there and and getting off safely was was one story and then 
the, the investigation of being taken aboard the Alliance ship was a second story. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, I just want I just want to put out here this just for so that when I say it next time, listeners will know I've said this before. I hate, 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 hate cinema verite style shooting of exterior spaceship shots. I'm just going to put one other thing out there that I really, really wish TV shows would do. Okay, we saw that shot. And, and you see this many, many times in TV shows. We saw the shot of the the tenderly things going up, right? And it had the push blur and everything. And I thought, that's, I hate that when I saw that. <laughs> then later on, we see them replay that as if it was recorded somewhere. And, and, and time and time and time and time again, you see that in TV shows, where instead of reshooting it correctly from the angle of, say, a camera on the Serenity... <laughs> yes, they just yes. they just replay it and it does look far worse it does look far worse when the original footage is well shot or well rendered and it does look a little more realistic in this situation but again it does make me ask where was that camera that they got this footage from but at That's least in that question. case i'll accept that so if they had only done it if they had never shown us the first shot and they'd only shown us them playing a replay from a camera somewhere i probably could wouldn't wouldn't even phase me i'd go well that's because that's an automated camera on the thing that's just looking for motion and it saw something and it zoomed over and tried to get it and i i take that so anyway gone on long enough i'm sure we'll compress some of the the long gaps out of this so that we'll run a little faster <laughs> anyway actually that that's really not true What's really going to happen is we're going to take all that extra recorded goodness from this podcast and we're going to make a bonus episode strictly for our Patreon patrons. So if you're one of our Patreon patrons and you're subscribing through the special feed, make sure you check out Midweek and you will hear Simon and I perhaps not necessarily agree on the role of Cinema Verite style spaceship shots and other aspects of the way television production is. And if you'd like to become a Patreon patron, check out patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol, and you can find out how you can help be a sponsor of this podcast. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.